Stan is out of town this week, and so we have, you don't want me to call you Pastor D. You can call You're me. a pastor, I think. Pastor William Geis. Yay. Yes. Yeah, you should give up one. I'll, I'll get this one. Thank you, Anna. Yes, uh, rumors of my demise have been greatly exaggerated. I, um, you know, I've always wanted to say that, but then I said it, it wasn't nearly, I'm not going to need that. You're not going to need you. that. Thank you, no, no. Well, maybe, no, I'm kidding, you can take it. Um, it wasn't quite as funny as I always thought it would be, so glad to uh, be here with you uh, this morning. You are, you are looking well, looking good, some of you, and then some of you, you know, are tanned. I saw Steve, he's been at the beach. That's awesome, and he's not even listening to me. That's okay, just keep talking back there, it's all good. So, um, I, on the other hand, look this, the way that I do um, because I have this deep affinity for cheeseburgers and pretty much anything Mexican. Um, I love those foods and I have a hard time turning away from them and thus you get what you get. And a lot of times when I'm in, if I'm in rooms and these, you know, they actually use, they have you on the screens, I will find myself never wanting to look to the sides because I don't want to see myself up there. So I'm kind of just like, like this, but so thank goodness we don't have that. But um, yeah, and so now that I'm traveling a good, good bit, that, that, you know, kind of that war to make good choices is, is even, it's even tougher on me and something that I have to be even more uh, focused on. And all of you are, that are here today, myself included, we're kind of here in this room because we made a, a set of choices that got us here. Um, you could even take it way, way back if you'd like to. You know, I ended up moving to Tennessee because I was on staff at a church in Louisiana and I took a position at the People's Church of Mac Hatcher in 96 and that moved us here and while we were we were there we just felt led by God to to lead there and, and start this community and for me to work on more school and go back and to work on a doctorate and we took those steps and I ended up starting these series of missional communities in Spring Hill where we basically just looked at at starting churches and starting groups in neighborhoods doing nothing but sharing meals with the people that live around you if that sounds familiar to you and so that's, that's what we did. And there just so happened to be this guy who had moved to Franklin who made a, he made a choice to, to move here. And he ends up meeting this friend named Rick who was part of our community. And Rick said, hey, you should come down one weekend and just check out this thing that we're a part of. And he came and um, he was a part of that community for a while. And even after he left that community, he and I continued to have coffee for years and years after that and that guy is a jock you know a guy who is you know and so connected to so many of us and he's so connected to me and so important that he's not even here today but that's okay I'm not bitter I just just saying um but Jacques is the reason part of the reason that I ended up here and it's just these series of choices that end up kind of pushing us down the road in different ways in the different places that, that put us where we, we are. You, all of you, could back up and back up and back up and, and put yourself where you are today, where you are in this very moment, based upon the choices that you made. It's a, I think it's a gross oversimplification, but Sartre even said at one point that we are our choices. And there's several schools of philosophy that dig in and kind of deal with this idea that we're the sum of our experiences, which we know that we are, we are more than that. But that piece of us that we're our experiences, we're our choices, it's, it's definitely part of who we are. And at this, its base level, for sure, it's this part of, of our being in, in what we were, what we are, and what we're, we're growing into being. 
And so I want to run with that metaphor for just a little bit, this idea that we are, we are our experiences, we're our choices. And I want to look at a couple of scriptures, and um, we'll kind of come back to the idea of fear in just a second. So if you've got a Bible, if you want to turn to it, it'll be in John chapter 15. It's a very familiar passage. Um, Jesus is speaking with these people that he's really close to. He spent about three years intensely ministering with them. Um, we know him as the disciples or the apostles. And he's getting ready to leave them. And so he, he, he is uh, this long discourse as John records it. He says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I've said these things to you so that, you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, than to lay down one's, what? Life. For his friends. No one has greater love than to lay down his life for his friends. No one has greater love than to lay down maybe his choices for his friends. Because if we are the sum of our experiences and we are our choices, if that's this, this major part of who we are, then maybe, just maybe, no one has greater love than to lay down their choices for their friends. And if you keep in mind that at the point Maybe that's shock. Um, if you keep in mind that at the point that Jesus is sharing this story with the disciples, they haven't seen him die yet. We know the end of the story when we read this. We know that he's going to the cross to be crucified, but in this moment, he's been telling them that it's, it's coming. We have no indication that they've really ever gotten it at this point. And so what they know of Jesus in laying down his life is not at the moment going to the cross. What they know of him is a man who has over and over and over and over poured himself out for other people. If we could back up one time, Tabitha, and actually look at verse 12. I forgot that this was up here. Um, verse 12 tells us what? If we were to go back, and said, or let's look at 11. I've said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is com my commitment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So this idea that maybe that you and I, this greatest love that we have, and there's no doubt, I think that at an angle of this, Jesus is no doubt talking about his, his death and going to the cross, but what they have seen and what they know in the moment is that he has laid down his life continually, 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 continually for other people. And I know that this is this idea of laying down our life for others and, and loving others is it's it's a, a very, very simple, honestly topic for us today. There's this thing that I, I have thrown out to, to stand over and over for probably better than a year now. And I want to say it to you. One of the things that I've seen over and over, um, just in a number of the experiences that I've been a part of, and I think that you probably have too, is that one of the, the greatest dangers to seeking to be successful is success. One of the greatest dangers in trying to becoming a winner is to win. One of the greatest dangers to a revolution is winning. As you get on the other side or you, you get past where you think the battle is won and you get to this point to where you know what, you think you made it and you're still living in the aftermath of a battle maybe and you're still trying to reconstruct and you're still trying to put things together, but you reach this spot to where you're, you're there and you're like, all right, you know what? We've made it. Maybe it's good to just kind of settle here. This is good. I like it in this space. I like it here. I've got my little mill group of people. I've got the group of people that I sit with at church. And 
things keep kind of going, and I'm just here, and, and that's okay. This is a good place to be. I don't know if I've really got the energy to keep going. I really don't know if I've got the will to keep going to do it. I don't know if I want to fight those battles anymore. It's, it's good to be here. You know, one of the things that comes over and over and over again in, in the Scriptures, in the, in the First Testament, the Old Testament, is we see it uh, in the prophets a number of times. I think probably the guy who wrote Maccabees actually says it the best, that he says there's this point to where people sit under their own vines and fig trees, and none shall make them afraid. And there shall be no more kings, no more rulers to come against them and crush them. But what do we see in the scriptures? We see people find this place, a position of rest, and then things will begin to spiral. And they go down, and then God will deliver them, and they'll come back. And the Old Testament is just up and down and up and down of getting it and not getting it. There's actually a, one Orthodox um, rabbi from way, way back that actually says that God reveals everything that he wants to tell you about himself in the first five books in the Pentateuch. Everything else is people just not getting it. It's just God saying, okay, you didn't get it. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. It, it's a bit of remediation. And if Matthew McConaughey has taught us anything, the one thing that transcends time and space is love. No matter who the king is, no matter when the time is, no matter who's in charge, who's the president, where you are, when you are, love works. And being willing to lay your choices down and lay your life down for other people, being willing to be available, to be vulnerable, to open yourself up for the betterment of other people. There's even a point when Jesus is in this interaction with these these groups of leaders in his town. He has this run of interactions with the Sadducees in Matthew 22, and then it actually says in Matthew 22 that the Pharisees come and question him. And I think we've got this one too. So Matthew 22, um, Jesus, it's what we know is the great commandment. It says, when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest in the first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and all the prophets. I was actually thinking and prepping for this and thinking through it. You know, there are, you know I, I think that you really can kind of boil this whole thing down that Jesus is trying to, to get us to be a part of and get us to do really into three huge ideas, and that's kind of it. And so if we were starting to build on those, this first commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your soul. Now, I think something that's going on here that may actually mess up my theory, the theory that there are three major things that Jesus is trying to do. Because I actually think when you look at this passage in Matthew 22 and what Jesus is doing here, um, Jesus is actually, I believe, when you look at this passage, he's using a, a hermeneutic um, from a rabbi who had come before him, a, a guy named Hillel, who really ministered and, and kind of worked, or he taught and worked anywhere kind of 30, 50 years before Jesus. And Hillel had these set of hermeneutics and these tools that he used to interpret Scripture, and one of them was called Gezira Shaba. And it was used in, in legal cases where you would, you would take a law and you would explain a law or precept with an analogy. The rabbis used it in teaching as well to where you would take one big, huge passage that could be a little, you know, kind of fuzzy. It's not quite clear. Um, and that you could couple it with another one to actually make it come clear. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. 
great, great passage. It tells us so much. This is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to love God with everything we got. But if I ask you right now to take out a piece of paper and draw what that means and hold your piece of paper up, every one of us has got a different picture. What does it mean to do this? What does it mean to love God with your heart, with your soul, and with your mind? And there's no doubt if Jesus just left it at that and people walked away, there were those people who were with him who'd get to go back and they get to talk to him about this and they get to question him and, and kind of see, hey, Jesus, what exactly did you mean about this? And he's like, oh, okay, well, let me tell you a story. Because, you know, he wouldn't just give them a straight answer. He'd give them a question or a story and keep spinning the thing on out. And then there's some people that go home and they would go home and ponder it. And some people may go home and they don't have the, you know, Jesus to talk to. And they end up around a campfire and they start discussing, well, what does it mean to love God? God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and the discussion goes and goes and goes, and that's where we get denominations from, because they surely didn't agree about what it meant. And so what Jesus does here, I think, is he takes this big, beautiful passage that actually comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6, as part of the Shema. He takes this, and he couples another passage with it to explain it. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and you want to know exactly how you do that? You do it by loving your neighbor as you love yourself. All the law and all the commandments, it all hangs upon this. The greatest danger to all, all that has been accomplished here, to all that we've done, to all that we've been a part of. It's been our story going all the way back from, if you look at the Bible, all the way from names to maps. Our, our story has been these moments to where we, we find ourselves at places of being able to settle and then a struggle will set in, and we get complacent. My challenge to you today, in whatever form that it looks like for you, is to be willing to show a love to other people that is greater. A love that is, that is transcendent. And it's a willingness in every situation to be willing to lay down your choices for other people, to lay down your life for other people. Paul says it this way when he, when he goes, uh, when he writes to the church at Philippi, which is a, a pretty amazing passage considering um, that he writes it. Uh, did I give you that one, Tabitha? Yep. Philippians 2. Got it. And Paul says this to this church. He said, if you want to, to know what it's like to follow after what I've taught and what I've said to you, if then there is any encouragement in Christ and any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and any sympathy and sympathy make my joy complete be of the same mind having the same love being in full accord and of one mind do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit but in humility regard others as better than yourselves let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus who though he was in the form of God did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited but he emptied himself taking the form of a slave being born in human likeness and being found in human form he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even death on a cross therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that it is above every name so that the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, just as you've always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, 
Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, enabling you, to both, you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. The greatest of all that we are given is the opportunity to love one another. And so for us as a church, as we, as we go forward, as we look at sharing this message, as we look at, at getting, being in the middle of this revolution, maybe still, or maybe even being at the point to, to where we're want, we've, we've won, so to speak, at a certain level. And we question and we think about how do we keep going forward? How do we keep pushing forward? If it ever becomes not clear, love. If you're ever not sure what to do, love. If you're ever not sure what step to take, take a step towards someone who is in need, who needs help, who needs a kind face, who needs a smile, who needs a hug, who needs a word, or maybe just needs someone to listen, or maybe they need bread, or they need a blanket. But take the step to love. That's how the revolution keeps going. The revolution doesn't keep going with words and with thoughts. The revolution keeps going because the world, everyone around us, outside of us, know that Christ in us is the hope of what's coming and that they know that something different is happening and the revolution is happening because of the love that we have for one another. No greater love can any of us have than we be willing to lay down our choices. We lay down who we are for one another. Let's pray. God, it seems to be such a simple idea. But we know, God, that there are so many things that pull at us. There's so many distractions. There's so many wants. God, there's so many fears that set in. God, help us to stand and to face those things. God, help us to realize that you who are in us are greater than anything that comes at us in this world. God, help us to realize that you are with us and you, you never forsake us, that we're never alone, we're always loved. And this love and this being the beloved that we feel, God, our world needs it so much more. And you have created this place of impact, this place that's an epicenter, God. Help it to reverberate throughout this town and this community this country, Lord, with your love. We thank you for the most beautiful model of love that we've been shown. We thank you for the life of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for being here. And so I told you, I said that, this is, that I think this can be boiled down into three things. And I really actually messed myself up in my own thinking because I took three and I boiled it down to two. So love God, which really means love people. So we can just combine those and say, love people. The third one, or the second one, however you want to look at it, it's pretty simple. Don't be a Pharisee. Got it? That seems to kind of be a bad thing in the Scripture. So stand up with me, and um, I'm going to speak a blessing over you before you go. So may you go into the world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Strengthen those that are hurting. Heal those that are sick. And may you today and each day into the coming week, until we gather again, walk in the peace and the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Peace be with you. Have a great, great week. I heard it. It was just about coming, and I kept talking. Thank you for that. Have a great week, and uh, I think we're going to Tin Rough. See you guys there. Peace. Thank you. You're welcome.